Hey everyone, welcome back to Ideas The Borders. I'm Maisha and today I'm bringing to you the series on media narratives and systemic discrimination. This episode is going to focus on the East Asian perspective and I have two amazing guests here to discuss it with me today. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys. Hi, I'm Khan. I'm currently working as a bilingual member navigator at United Healthcare, and I uh, graduated from the University of Washington in Seattle with a bachelor's in communication. Um, I moved to the U.S. for college about five years ago from Vietnam, and I'm very passionate about social issues, which is why I'm super excited about this podcast. Um, apart from that, I'm into music and art, and I love food with all my heart. Hi, my name is Toby, and I'm a second year civil engineering student at McGill. I was born in China, and I moved to Canada when I was four, and I care a lot about equality and equity for everyone. So thank you for including me on your podcast. I feel very honored. I like drawing and hiking in my free time, and I love food more than con. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump right into it. So how do you think the media represents you and how do you think it should be filtered or interpreted? Um, so in the past, before COVID started, uh, I think, in my opinion, the main issue was the lack of East Asian representation in the media. And I've seen many brands or stores um, try to be more inclusive and include other people of color in their advertisements and other things. But I've noticed that they would very rarely include East Asians in their advertisements. And I also think that sometimes East mm -hmm. Asians are referred to as the ideal or the model minority, meaning that we don't face discrimination or racism because we are smarter and more successful than other minorities, which is most times uh, very false to presume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I feel like that stereotype of being successful is very heavily portrayed in the media because um, it seems like it only chooses to represent a certain group of Asian people and only in a certain way. So you have the funny Asian uncle, you have the um, badass kung fu chick, and you have the nerd who's really good at math, right? But that's not, that's not all that we are. Um, and there's also disparity, uh, a gender disparity in the representation of Asian people in the media. More specifically, I've seen more Asian men than women in the media. Um, for example, Ken Jeong, almost everybody knows Ken Jeong. They might not know his name, but almost everybody knows his face. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then when uh, an Asian female is present in the media, it's usually this exotic, sexy archetype, um, this beautiful lady who mostly stands there and be pretty. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. And then um, as a Vietnamese person, I've seen a lot of talking about food, so our pho, and the Vietnam War. And it seems like that's all that the media knows about Vietnamese people. And obviously, this is commonly seen in the portraying of other Asian people as well. So basically, very limited, very stereotyped. And there is a normalization of the accessorization of the Asian culture. And what I mean by this is that for example, a Hollywood movie would throw in a scene that looks like it was filmed in like Japan or China um, just because it looks good. Um, they don't really go into the culture. They don't really 
talk about how that scene is related to the plot or why being shot in an Asian country makes it relevant to the plot. Basically, they're just using the Asian culture um, and traditions and clothing as a way to seem cool. Yeah, and to add on top of that, um, I totally agree that the media often stereotypes East Asians in particular. I just wanted to mention that a lot of media portrays Chinese people as, you know, we eat dogs or we eat cats, which is obviously a false misconception. Um, Most people do not. And I feel like it's very discriminatory because the French people eat escargot, but Mm -hmm. which is also you know, kind of a strange delicacy, but it's more normalized than, you know, the East Asian culture. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about the history of where this whole idea of Asian people eating dogs came from? Yeah, so a very long time ago, there was a time in China where there was a very big famine and people didn't have anything to eat. Um, So as a last resort, they did have to end up eating their pets, otherwise they would starve to death. And it was like very heartbreaking. And obviously pets are treasured in China as well. And often they would exchange pets with their neighbors in order to like not eat their own pet because that would just be very heartbreaking. But obviously that was like a last resort and it was in a famine. So I, I think that's where the stereotype came from. But that was a very long time ago, and it's not very relevant now. And obviously, there are some people in China who are strained. They do strange things. But obviously, with such a big population, there's obviously going to be some bizarre or strange people who do different things. Yeah, there's no need to paint a whole community with one brush. Right. And uh, to add on top of that, there's a region in Vietnam where people do eat dogs. People do raise dogs for meat. And what the media fails to portray is that this stems from poverty and poverty stems from colonization. So, you know, these people, (laughs) they come in our country and they steal and they take our lands and we end up being so poor that we have to eat anything that we could eat. And so it became part of our culture. And one, we need to recognize sometimes this is an effect of colonization, right? And two, it is culture and culture should be respected. Right, right, of Um, course. Yeah. And then also like, you've seen the Mulan movie, right? Yeah. And it's just like, it's good that there is Asian representation. There is misrepresentation though. I thought that it was very nice that Asians were being represented in the media, but I also thought that it was a little bit disappointing to see the actual movie because the, first of all, um, no offense, but the Mulan actor, she wasn't a great actor. And even my mother who's watched some of her previous shows said she wasn't a great actor. So I found that a little disappointing that they cast her instead of the billions of other people in China. Also, one of the main characters, the male lead, he was not even Chinese. He was from New Zealand. Wow. Which I thought was a little bit surprising considering it was a Chinese movie. So I feel like it would be great if they cast the right race. 
Mm -hmm. And this goes back to the misrepresentation idea that Khan was talking about. Right. Right. And like Scarlett Johansson was casted for a role for someone who was supposed to be Japanese. And so it, it really goes to show that people don't really put effort into representation. They put more effort into showing that or to seem woke, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They put more effort into portraying that they have diversity, but they don't really look into the culture or really do their research. Sometimes it just gets down to a very commercialization standpoint where they just want to make money off of the media that they're producing. And that might be at the expense of authenticity. Yeah. So what do you guys think that the media should be showing instead? Um, I think it's very important that the media shows that we are all different and we're not just certain stereotypes like Khan mentioned before. Um, I think it's also important that we don't just show the model minority of Asians and I feel like it's it shouldn't be a thing, the model minority. In general, I think that it would be nice to have more representation of East Asians in the media. And media often shows incorrect stereotypes or misrepresents the Asian culture. And it would be really nice if they did more research or found more information before publicizing information. Right. And to build on top of that, I, again, there needs to be more research. Research should be the least they could do, right? There needs to be less misrepresentation people need to stop casting Japanese people for Chinese roles for instance there are different types of Asians it's not Asian is just not one people right Mm -hmm. so um, Mm -hmm. we need that variety to be able to acknowledge that Asian people are not just some stereotype Um, I think it's really important to also like not show only just East or Southeast Asian people, but also other types of people. I feel like there is a lack of representation of Indian people um, most of the time in mm-hmm. the media as well. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really important to, to show more Asian people in plots that don't focus on the Asian cultures. So um, for instance, an Asian person doesn't necessarily have to have an accent. An Asian person doesn't necessarily have to talk about their Chinese culture all the time they can just be there because they because this actress or actor is good for the role and I feel like the media right now does not really bring awareness to the problem of discrimination and fetishization of Asian people so these these issues need to be brought up it needs to be talked about it needs to be showcased for people to be able to notice them Yeah, and I just wanted to add on to what you were talking about. I think that currently uh, the pandemic is something that's on everybody's minds. And after the COVID pandemic began, the media often portrayed East Asians as the people who brought the virus, who started the virus, um, who started this pandemic and, you know, ruined everyone's lives. And obviously it's very influenced by the media because For instance, Donald Trump was calling it, you know, the Chinese virus. There's other media forms calling it the Kung flu and other racist slurs like that. And I think it would be very important and beneficial for the Asian community if they would do their research and know that, you know, it wasn't the Chinese people who brought the virus. That is totally not true. Most of us 
haven't even been to China in years or some of us have never been to China. So I think it's very important for them to represent the Asian community more correctly. Yeah, and I really hope that this podcast episode is a step in the right direction. So I also wanted to ask you guys if there is anything that you do in your daily life that helps push back on these narratives, whether you do it consciously or subconsciously. Um, sometimes, sometimes I get stuck in the system of power and uh, I don't really notice it. Sometimes I still assume that white is the default. I still idolize Western beauty and culture sometimes, uh, even though it, all of that is unconscious. And so I do have to be more aware of, of my own discrimination against my own people as well. I used to think that it's really important to challenge against um, ideas that Asian people are fine. Asian people are the model minority. Asian people don't really face racism. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Asian people tend to ignore this conversation because it is a difficult conversation to yeah. have. And I feel like the, the idea of the model minor minority really is created to pitch minorities against each other. And so you see a lot of a lot of disagreement, a lot of arguments between different minorities and different types of Asians, different Asian people within the Asian community as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to be aware and talk about these things often. So having difficult conversations and calling people out and pushing back these stereotypes is something that I do on the daily. And uh, it's really important to notice that sometimes when people do things that seem woke or seem like they are aware, sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's really helping the, 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 the situation. I live in Seattle and uh, Seattle likes to portray itself as a very woke, very progressive city. Um, but that's, that's not entirely true. Uh, Seattle has a whiteness problem. Uh, people here almost have a, a white savior complex. And so we need to learn how to talk about these issues in a constructive way and not just in a way that would make us look good. And I'm also very active on Instagram and social media. So I share a lot of resources. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like that also helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with what Khan said, um, having difficult conversations with people and obviously sharing resources and educating people to bring awareness. And uh, I also try to share a lot of resources and information that people might not know or might have misconceptions of on my social media. And I do have difficult conversations with people who maybe, you know, don't agree or don't know about certain things that I'm talking about. And I feel like it's also important to sign petitions for people who are, you know, misrepresented or are victims of hate crimes. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like it's important to educate on my friends and people that I talk to personally. And I've told lots of people about the Chinese government. And I feel like it's important to differentiate between the Chinese government and the Chinese civilians because China is a communist country and it's led by a dictator. So their government doesn't represent the ideals 
and thoughts of the Chinese people. So I feel like that's important to differentiate between those two because a lot of people think, oh, the Chinese government does this, this, this. So, you know, the Chinese civilians must have agreed or uh, supported them, which is very untrue because the Chinese government just does whatever it wants to. And I remember that you were sharing a story about your mom last week. Uh, Yeah, so personally, um, I've been here for quite a while with my family, and we haven't really been victims of, um, like, severe racism or any hate crimes that I've seen on the media. So I'm thankful for that. But recently, a couple months ago, my mother was, she was standing outside of a store, and she was waiting for me to come out. And she told me later that there was this man who came up to her and started saying things like, go back to China. Why did you bring the virus? You guys shouldn't be here. Go back to where you came from. And so she just tried to ignore him and, um, you know, not start anything. And yeah, he like kept harassing her and was like, and poking her and stuff and saying, oh, do you not understand me? Do you not speak English? you guys all need to go back to China and things like that. And yeah, it, it hurt. And it's really surprising that, you know, the amount of time we've been here and, you know, we haven't even been to China in a very long time that we'd be experiencing this type of stuff because of the pandemic. I'm so sorry to hear. That's really tough. Yeah, um, that is. Yeah. I've had, um, I've had a couple of stories as well. I, one time someone was racist to my mom and I almost threw hands. I just cannot, I cannot take it, right? I cannot take it. Our moms are so sweet. I don't get what they did to deserve something like this. Um, I also had a, uh, went through an incident where a man was yelling at me. So I was on the bus going downtown. I was actually heading to Chinatown on that bus. And I was speaking Vietnamese with a friend and this middle-aged man started talking, you know, saying bad things about Asian people to uh, a person next to him. And that person just kind of ignored him. Um, Mm -hmm. And he started speaking more loudly and everyone was, everyone on the bus was kind of just ignoring him. Um, And then eventually he turned to us and he started yelling and he started telling us to go back to our country, calling us Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, telling us to stop speaking our gibberish, learn English um, and called us a slur. And the bus was half full. So there were people on the bus. Um, No one said a thing. and it really it's just I I think that a lot of people think that these things don't happen but they do they do happen they do happen on a daily basis and I feel like a lot of people don't really they don't really act up they don't they don't really speak up in situations like this and I once had a, a teacher who said that if you are not fighting against oppression then you are part of oppression Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like talked, I, I, I talked back, I, I fought back, I said I speak English, I was so angry, and my friend told me that I really shouldn't have done that. Um, my friend was worried for my safety. Yeah, that's and the I primary think it's, concern. Right, and I think it's, it's really difficult, but we do have to talk about these things in order to fix them.
Yes, for sure. And I think what's important to note, especially, is that there's a certain level of programming that goes into someone's brain before they feel like doing something like this, before they approach someone in such a hateful manner. And the media has a lot to do with that, what they're seeing on the internet, what they're seeing on the news, what sorts of things they're consuming online. And so now more than ever, it's so important for us to reflect on or try to find any implicit biases within ourselves and really ask the question of, is what I'm seeing real? Does it make sense? And really learn to be skeptical because now more than ever, you need to realize that media literacy is so important and that you need to really critically think about what you're seeing. Yeah, I just also wanted to add that, first of all, Con, I'm really sorry that happened to you. That's so terrible how no one else said anything. Yeah. That that really surprises me. Yeah, a bus full shocked. of people. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to say, like, out on top of that, that a lot of, like, most, the majority of Chinese elderly or, you know, older Chinese people, or not just Chinese people, East Asian people in general, They've worked really hard to get where they are, especially in a foreign country. And most of them are very quiet and non-confrontational. They don't like to argue or start fights or anything like that. And they need to be protected, you know? Like, it really surprised me that no one on the bus said anything to you to stand up for you or anything. And if that happened to, you know, an elderly Asian person, they would just be the sole victim, you know, and no one would stand up for them, which I feel like is very sad because they wouldn't say anything back. Right. And it's so sad because Asian elderly people are some of the least confrontational people that I know. They really, they just endure everything. They tolerate everything. They push through everything. And still the amount of hate crimes that we've seen recently that are done on, that are used to attack elderly people, Asian elderly people. It's just, it's outrageous. Yeah. And in the Asian culture, the elderly are precious. They're, yeah. they're treasured. Um, yeah. It's like that for South Asians as well, right? Yeah. Respect your elders. Right. Exactly. They're, they have to sit at like the head of the table. They have to eat first. And yeah, it's really sad that they're being targeted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you guys would like to mention? Um, I'd also like to mention that a lot of people are subconsciously insensitive without realizing it. And it really surprised me that even people my age or like our age, um, young people who are more educated and they see more things and they're more involved, they're also very ignorant and some of them are not very educated at all. I've had a personal experience where someone posted something very insensitive and very racist on social media regarding like the coronavirus and I called her out on it I was like you shouldn't be posting this this is racist this is the message you're coming across as so I called her out on it I said what you were saying is very insensitive and racist and her response really shocked me because she wasn't she didn't even know what she was talking about she just posted this insensitive image without even knowing the history or the information that she is trying to portray. Because we both live in such diverse um, environments, right? And we, we know so many people. It's, it's really crazy to see how ignorant people can be. I do have friends in my own circle who 
who can be very ignorant, who, who can use the Asian language for no reason, uh, use emojis that has Chinese characters or like um, appropriate our outfits. And sometimes it's just, it's hard, but you're just going to have to call these people out. Yeah, and it's those uncomfortable conversations that stick with people. So I do think that's important. But wow, yeah, that was a really insightful conversation, you guys. Thanks so much for bringing to the forefront all of these implicit biases that we might have. Thank <laughs> you for doing this. Thank you for it's doing so this. Great. Yeah, it's so good to talk about this. It's it's so hard though. It's really it's nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, and. I hope that all of you have been enjoying the series thus far, and hopefully we all learned something new. If you would like to talk to Khan or Toby about any of the things we've discussed today, feel free to reach out to them on Instagram. Their Instagram handles will be listed in the description. Stay tuned for the next episode on media narratives and systemic discrimination. See you next time on Ideas About Borders. This podcast is run by the student members of the University of Waterloo's Engineers Without Borders chapter. The University of Waterloo is situated on the Haldeman Tract, land that was promised to the Six Nations of the Grand River and is the traditional territory of the neutral Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. We encourage you to take a moment to also consider and acknowledge the land from which you are listening.